0: And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of The Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again by Electrex publisher, Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And we have a lot of interesting stories today, Uh, a bunch of new e-bike related stories. We've got uh, a review to cover, a new e-bike coming from Polestar. But we also have a few other stories that involve electric uh, motorbike, something coming from Honda, potentially. And then even a few other sort of uh, slightly more out there things. We've got an electric jet ski, some fancy new electric uh, street legal golf carts, a, a pile of stuff today. But where are we going to start off first, Seth?
1: All right. We're starting off with the e-bike subsidy. Uh, another state adds uh, e-bike subsidies, this time with $1,700 rebate. And that's, that's the price of some e-bikes. So that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, this is an impressive one. If you live in Oregon, then you're going to want to stay uh, appraised of what's going on here. It's not law yet, but it should enter this session into the um, a potential Oregon bill that's going to create a fairly generous electric bike subsidy. So the specifics are that any normal electric bike, non-cargo, would be eligible for up to twelve hundred dollars of rebate, and then cargo e-bikes have a higher rebate, seventeen hundred dollars. And there's not too many stipulations here. There's a uh, a minimum price has to be, I think, nine hundred and fifty dollars. So kind of rules out those like super cheap Amazon bikes. Um, but there's no income uh, maximum, so it's not you know just like a lower income program. Um, it doesn't rule out like, you know, bikes for recreation, like electric mountain bikes, that sort of thing. Um, the only tricky part is that in order for an e-bike to be covered, the manufacturer has to actually apply to be a part of the program. So, you know, all the big companies, you know, rad, electric, Aventon, you know, all those companies are surely going to apply and they'll get approved, but it's not that you can just, you know, go online, find any e-bike or, you know, any e-bike from a local shop. It's gotta be, um, you know, entered into the program, which will surely happen fairly quickly once this uh, hopefully gets passed into law. But like we mentioned, you know it's got to go through the um, Oregon State Assembly. It's got to get passed. But with the um, you know amount of e-bike advocates in Oregon, especially you know in Portland, I could see this having a, a pretty good chance of passing. So it's it's certainly very exciting. There are not very many states yet with subsidies. I know uh, New York is working on one. There are some cities that have done their own. Um, Denver has a program. Oh, Vermont also, I think, was the first state to to do a statewide e-bike rebate. But they're still pretty rare. So it's very exciting to to see another um, state jump on board. What do you think of this program, Seth?
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, the, the price is actually a little bit... You know, I don't want to say it's too much, but like, there's a lot of cargo e-bikes that are under $1,700. Uh, obviously, the uh, Rad Runner we're looking at there—I don't know if that fits into the category—but uh, you know, th- those have dropped on like Black Friday sale to like $1,200. So you could actually make $500 bucks from buying one of those. I can't imagine they would pay you more than you would purchase.
0: Yeah. So they, they found a way around that. So they take the price of the e-bike and they subtract 200. So if it's under the 1200 or $1,700, then it would be the price minus 200. So either way you're going to be paying at least $200 here.
1: Yeah. I mean, 200 bucks though, for, you know, a lot of really high quality bikes, like that would make the luck Trek sorry, the Electric trick, uh, sorry, uh, bike, uh, 200 bucks. That would make the rad runner 200 bucks. Um, I think, uh, juiced, uh, um, would that's what's, what's their base model again? It's not called the, uh,
0: not the scorpion, the, uh, the scrambler
1: or the rip racer. Racer. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Rip racer. They've been selling for about a thousand. So that would be 200 bucks. A lot of really good products there, uh, that you could get for 200 bucks. I, I imagine I'd be a little bit worried. Uh, that people would take advantage of it. I'm sure there's like a one bike per person limit or one bike per uh, family or whatever.
0: Yeah, one of the stipulations actually was also that you have to keep the bike for a year. I don't know how they enforce that, but the idea is that you don't just buy it and then you immediately sell it like on eBay to someone outside of Oregon.
1: Right, yeah. And I'm sure people in Portland would be like, oh, it's just right over the border to Washington. Uh, So I don't know. I I don't know if they can enforce that, but um, it should be a good program. I kind of think that, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but I kind of feel like a lower, um, amount should probably be the, you know, the end result just, just so that this isn't taken advantage of. And then, you know, anti e-bike advocates are, you know, just point their fingers. Look that everybody took advantage of that and nobody got e-bikes. They just sold them. So I don't know. Uh, it's almost too good to be true, I guess is my, my take on that one. But, uh, good, good that they're doing it. Um, I love that, uh, Vermont, uh, I think New York, what are the other States?
0: Um, I think Vermont, and New York are the only ones that are statewide at this point, but we've seen uh, a Denver program. I think Atlanta was considering something. Um, but so far I think those will be the only two
1: statewide ones. All right. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, Polestar to launch its own electric bike as more companies explore e-bikes. Yeah, it's interesting
0: because there have been a lot of car companies and, and also some motorcycle companies that are really exploring this e-bike avenue. And uh, I think it just comes down to companies realizing the, the huge sales volume of e-bikes. But the latest here is Polestar, which is uh, Volvo's electric division. And they've, they've actually done a bike project before. What you're seeing here, if you're watching the video, is their uh, collaboration with Allbike, and they did a pedal uh, full suspension mountain bike. And they're going back to, uh, I guess it's pronounced all bike, maybe alley bike. And uh, they're, they're going to work with them again to create an electric, uh, some type of bike. We don't know if it's going to be a mountain bike or a street bike or something.
1: I thought they were but, working with Cake. Isn't that a Cake No.
0: So they also work with Cake. Um, okay. But in that case, it's more of like a partnership to like sort of combine Cake's electric motorbikes with Polestar vehicles like on that one they've got the the moped that can charge from the uh, Polestar so you could like sort of use it like a dinghy you know you drive to the edge of the city (laughs) from the suburbs and then you continue on on your little electric two-wheeler but this would be like an actual Polestar branded uh, product as opposed to just like a cake on the back right and it's Uh interesting because um you know, one of the things that the CEO pointed out was that he doesn't want to just white label something, you know, you he, he pointed out that a lot of companies will just sort of like, you know, uh, I think we covered the uh, GMC Hummer e-bike a few weeks back, where basically it's a, a all wheel drive electric bike that's made by another company. And they just stuck GMC's name on it through the magic of a, a licensing deal. So he pointed out that he doesn't want to do that. But at the same time, they've already said they're partnering up with All Bike, And I can't imagine that you know, all bikes just going to be like, all right, you completely design your own bike and we'll produce it. Like there's, there's going to be some hybrid between white labeling and and a, you know, original design here, though. It's still certainly exciting to see automotive companies get that involved in e-bikes to the point where, you know, it's more than just uh, tossing a sticker on it.
1: Right. And it was kind of nice that uh, Polestar at the beginning didn't just say, Hey, this is a Polestar bike and slap their thing on a cake bike or, you know, what. I guess they're not bikes or mopeds. Um, yeah, absolutely. but I do, I do wonder. Like, I feel like not all these companies. Yeah, Porsche bought a bunch of bike companies, including Grape. Um, Mercedes has actually in my Facebook. Uh, every time I turn on Facebook, uh, I get a Mercedes bike ad. Um, and I think they might be white labeling. I don't know if Mercedes is actually building their own. Yeah, then, theirs is pretty white labeled. And Ford had one for a while. Obviously, Jeep. Um, I think. There's the Hummer bike we, we talked about. Yep. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I, th- I think these executives are like, you know, the auto companies employ a lot of like MBA types who are like, all right, what's the next big industry? Uh, the next big industry is e-bikes. E-bikes are exploding. We know, you know, we know tires, we know wheels. This is, we should be in this. And uh, I don't know that they're going to succeed. They also have, you know, dealerships. So they have points of sale. And, uh, they could throw an e-bike in every, uh, office and make them, you know, every dealership and make them a, you know, an added on bonus or an incentive to come in or whatever. So I guess there's a lot of opportunity. We'll see. I guess more e-bikes, the better, right?
0: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it certainly adds more to the market, but it it has to be a value added kind of situation in the end.
1: Yeah. All right. Moving on, uh, switching to an electric bike means getting more exercise, period. Here's why.
0: So this was like half op-ed, half collection of studies about electric bike exercise. And sort of the impetus was that I've noticed in a lot of uh, my electric bike articles, especially when, you know, we talk about new e-bikes coming to market, you'll see uh, comments that are something to the effect of, oh, great, like electric bike, more people that are, you know, going to be Um, wasting energy or not getting exercise or you know that sort of thing and there seems to be this common misconception out there that electric bikes mean people aren't getting a workout or they're not exercising that sort of thing and I think that comes from another misconception that if people are switching to an e-bike that it means they're switching away from a pedal bike and what we found is that almost never happens Generally, when you talk about switching to an e-bike, if it's for transportation, it's usually someone who wasn't biking before. So they're, you know, getting out of a car or they're taking an e-bike instead of a bus so that they can get, you know, on their own schedule and get all the way to their destination. Or if you're talking about recreation, it's someone who, you know, didn't go out and ride trails before, didn't go riding along the beach path that, you know, they stayed home and watched Netflix kind of thing. So it's most of the time you're, you're talking about people that are, are getting on an e-bike as opposed to some other form of transportation, or just living a more sedentary lifestyle. And so when you look at moving towards e-bikes and all of the different studies out there that compare e-bike exercise to uh, pedal bike exercise, what you see is that even though like mile for mile, you get more exercise on a pedal bike, in the end, e-bikes often provide almost as much exercise, uh, I'm sorry, e-bikes. And that's you know not talking about throttle enabled e-bikes, because if you just Throttling along, you're basically riding like a motorbike. But when we talk about pedal assist, where when you you know have to pedal some and then the motor kicks in, what all of these studies find is that they result in increased heart rate, increased calorie burn, and uh, improved cardiovascular health. So when we talk about switching to an e-bike, whether it's for transportation or recreation, it is almost always going to result in someone getting more exercise not less. And I think that that's a, a big part of this misconception that people think, you know, oh, electric bike, that means someone's not doing work when really it's, it's the opposite. They're probably doing much more work and getting much more fitness in the day than they were beforehand. And Seth, I know that you ride pedal bikes, you ride electric bikes, and you cover all sorts of transportation. So I'm curious your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. So um, my daily driver is a uh, pedal assist uh, level three bike. And I go the same distance that I would normally go, uh, on a pedal bike. And honestly, I haven't ridden a pedal bike in a while, but, um, I just go faster. So, uh, you know, normally when I would go 15, 20 miles per hour, I go, you know, 20 to 25 miles per hour, um, with a pedal assist. And in reality is like, it really helps with the Hills. So I'm more likely to bike ride anyway. So. And, and, you know, frankly, like I like pedaling and people who like pedaling are going to pedal and they're going to, you know, go as fast as they can. And I think, uh, you know, the pedal assist is actually just adding like a little rocket booster to your back. It's not really, uh, unless you're using a throttle, um, it's not, it's not taking away any exercise. It's just getting, it's just moving you faster to where you're going. Um, and I would add like even the throttle stuff, you know, you're balancing yourself, you're using your side muscles, you're, you know you're driving down the road, it's a little bit harrowing sometimes. So (laughs) your heart rate gets, gets moved up a little bit. Um, and you know, it's, it's better, like just even going on a moped without pedals is probably better for you, uh, than, you know, sitting in a lazy boy, you know, with a metal sheet wrapped around it. Um, which, you know, is a car. Um, I think, uh, you know, two wheels is better in just about every way. So, uh, yeah. I agree with the study.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, now that you mention it, I would be fascinated to like do a throttle ride and then check my Fitbit data afterwards and see what my heart rate is compared to either just like, you know, sitting at the desk on a computer or doing a pedal assist bike ride. Cause it would be interesting to see, you know, I definitely feel like when I'm throttling around, my heart rates up a little bit from the adventure, but it'd be cool to see the data.
1: Yeah. And you, you, you are throwing your body around a little bit with the balance and the, the core strength and, uh, you know putting your feet out and and uh, the handlebars and everything so there's probably something there
0: yeah we gotta look into that that's interesting
1: all right uh ooh, Himiway big dog uh electric bike review a cargo bike e-bike that's more like a moped
0: so this will be a fun one because both seth and i have ridden this bike and the the big dog it's Uh, they call it a cargo bike, but I would put it more in like a rad runner class utility bike. Surely you can use it for cargo. It's got a nice big rack. It's, you know, powerful with a 750 watt motor, but it's not one of these, you know, huge long tail rad wagon style, uh, extended cargo bikes. And so for me, this is kind of the sweet spot because what you end up with is a fairly small format, you know, 20 inch wheels, that sort of thing, not too long of a bike that's highly capable so you know it's fast It can get up to about 25 miles an hour if you unlock it though it does come as a 20 mile an hour class 2 bike Uh, it's powerful Uh, it's 750 watts but it's you know certainly putting out more peak watts it's got a huge battery at uh, 48 volts 20 amp hours so you're looking at just shy of a kilowatt hour of capacity and it's uh you know fairly comfortable i'd say you know front suspension with a uh, pretty decent hydraulic brake so it's got good braking to me, the the biggest downsides were just that it's a pretty heavy bike. Uh, it weighs seventy nine pounds, and it it's not just heavy, but it, because it is a little bit longer, it's kind of bulky too when you pick it up. Um, I know that you know to go up like just three or four stairs with it, it was like a little bit of a procedure because you kind of got to like muscle both ends of it up, even though you know it, it doesn't weigh more than like you know picking up a a large child or something. It's still like spread out a lot. And then the other thing is that the Pedal assist is kind of, um, I call it uh, surgy almost. Like when you start to pedal, it really kicks in all, all at once instead of sort of slowly coming on. And so um, if you were trying to do like a, a very easy, slow pedal ride, you'd, you'd start to pedal and all of a sudden you'd like blast up to like eight miles an hour from almost nothing. So in that sense, it was a bit tricky to do like a, a slow, relaxed, easy start on pedal assist, though uh, you could always like sort of throttle lightly to get to get rolling but uh besides those two downsides for me it was a pretty comfortable and and pretty fun bike Uh, what did you think of it Seth
1: yeah I had the exact same experience um I had the you know bringing him inside up the the same steps was kind of a pain especially with the two doors and um and also I noticed the uh you know the downside was the the um pedal assist and throttle even sometimes would uh delay A little bit longer than um, what I'm used to, Um, and I I wonder if that's like the controller. I imagine it's the controller, or if it's that new Buffang hub uh, motor at the back. Um, But you know, I I don't know if that's something they could upgrade or. or I think it's
0: sort of like I don't want to call it like lazy programming, but it's just some of the nicer bikes they sort of program in like a very nice ramping of the power. Whereas if you're just using like a simple controller. And it's almost more like a switch, like now power's on, then you right. don't get that, you know, ease into it kind of feeling. So to me, it's it's a little bit lazy in that they didn't, you know, put more effort into a more comfortable throttle ramping, which certainly takes more time and more, you know, trying trial and error, basically, to play with the settings and, and create something more comfortable.
1: Yeah, but it almost feels like there's a, a bigger delay in that one. But, you know, I, I would also say, like, these are great bikes. They look awesome. Um, and they, like, you can put another human being on the back easily and it's even rated for 400 pounds, I think. So it's, it's not like you have to go over any spec. You probably put two or three kids on there. Um, (laughs) the whole family, (laughs) get the whole family. Um, and you know, I like the big display. Um, there's lot lots to love about this thing. The lights were good. Um, the motor, I would say like, you know, once you're powered on, it's plenty powerful. I think what's the peak on this like 1100 or something
0: uh something like that i'm not sure if they even publish the the peak watt or not but it's usually for these motors like 11 1200
1: yeah so that was good i like frankly you know i'm a little spoiled with the uh the juiced hypers and the um some (laughs) of the other ones um so you know it was a little bit i don't want to say disappointing but it was a little bit regular it felt um especially with the the big weight of the bike and the um and the controller that was, you know, not, not smooth. But I think if, if you're looking for a moped bike, I think this is a pretty good pick, especially if you want to ride somebody else or put a lot of weight in the back. I think this is a really good choice.
0: The you know, one thing I wish they had included as, you know, an accessory that you could add on would be a passenger package with like foot pegs that fold out and a nice cushioned seat because yeah. right now I think you'd have to sort of rest your feet on the, you know, frame members back there.
1: Yeah. Do they even have a package you can buy like a, you know, like a hundred dollar, you know, little handlebar cushion peg? Combo? I don't
0: think they do. Um, not that I've seen on their site. Um, and I think that's, you know, really what they're missing would be like an official, you know, cause you could like throw a pillow back there or something, but especially the foot pegs is where it's at in terms of uh, making someone feel really comfortable and giving them a safe place to put their feet.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, my kids were uh, riding their friends around on it and super easy to do. I rode my son around on it a little bit. Um, No, like no stress at all about that in the back at all. Um, So like, you know, my my big takeaway is like great bike. uh, But, you know, there's a lot of things to think about before you jump in there. Um, and you know, I, I hate to say it, but I also like the, uh, the step through design. Um, you know, I can get my leg over a a seat still, but sometimes it's kind of nice not to have to, uh, you know, hedge up the pants a a little bit to, to get the legs going. I I Um, love
0: step throughs. I've like fully committed to that. Like, it's just, to me, that's like the right way to design now, as long as they reinforce it and make it strong enough, it's just so much nicer to get on and off. And especially if you have kids or, or a cargo back there that is even higher and even right. harder to throw your leg over like right. I'm in love with step throughs now
1: yeah and and did you um were you able to like kind of test the the range because um I never even got the... like probably rode like 10 or 15 miles and it never even went down like one battery thing yeah it, I was exactly like, yeah so I don't even like this thing seems like it could go quite a bit with a yeah
0: uh, my wife and I were riding, we probably did like 20 miles and maybe we got like one more notch down on the battery, but you know, okay. for over two days, we didn't even have to charge it. Like it just wasn't even a thought like, Oh, better charge it to make sure we have enough range. That's how big the battery is.
1: Yeah. That's kind of nice. And um, we actually brought these down from Vermont to New York and, um, we took the, because it, they are heavy bikes and we do have that, uh, Hollywood rack that, um, I think a bunch of e-bike sellers sell. Um, and we did a post on it earlier um but i I didn't want the batteries to uh be hanging out the back so we took the batteries off before we put them in the uh the back of the uh um car and i think that helped a little bit but it was really easy to get the battery in and out usually you know like I, i hate to keep bringing up juice but those batteries are a little bit you know chunk where these were just like you know in and out pretty easily
0: yeah, and I think these have good space between the front tire and the battery too. Some e-bikes where they have the like underslung battery there, if there's not a lot of space, it can be tricky cuz you got to like turn the wheel and wiggle the battery out, but these there's, you know, plenty of room to let it drop out, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and it's a good-looking bike, good uh, you know, cable management. I would say um the uh, you know, I think the fake uh mid-drive yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking there. That's kind of silly. Uh, but overall, I think that wood is a nice touch. Um, I, overall, I think uh, they did a good job here. I just, uh, you know, we have we have some suggestions for version two, yeah, I,
0: absolutely. But I'd say you know, one and three quarter thumbs up at this point.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, same. All right, moving on. Honda files uh, trademark for electric moto compacto. Likely a tiny e motorcycle. Love that idea.
0: So, if you're not familiar with the original Moto Compo that Honda made, it was a uh, tiny little motorcycle. That's what's in the top picture there, actually. And it was built so that it could fit in the back of a Honda, um, I think it was the Honda City. It was one of these little, like, you know, hatchback uh, cars from the 80s that they made. And so that was like really a uh, dingy for your car and that like your car carried its own little motorcycle in the back. And it's a it was a really cool concept, but, you know, it's a gas motorcycle. So like it's leaking oil and it's hot and, you know, it's not the ideal vehicle to put inside of another vehicle. But Honda might be rectifying that now because they've trademarked now in two different countries Moto Compacto as an electric scooter class uh, trademark. And so it looks like they might be preparing to reproduce this tiny little uh, car trunk-sized motorcycle in an electric format, which would be a really cool way to incorporate an electric scooter into a car. Of course, you could always get like a you know standing razor-type scooter, uh, electric scooter, and put it in your trunk. But the idea that the same manufacturer would be producing both of them, and they'd be designed to sort of nest one inside the other is a pretty neat concept. And it would probably mean that you'd be able to charge one from the other, even if, you know, like they put it in a gas powered Honda, they probably put like a, you know, charging port in there so that you could charge it from the alternator while it's running. But if, you know, when they eventually get around to electric cars, they could have it charge right off an EV battery. That would be a pretty cool concept too. But of course this is just a trademark filing. And so it doesn't mean they're going to be producing this. But the fact that they've now filed it, I believe, both in Canada and the US with the um, uh, United States Patent Trademark Office and the Canadian Intellectual Property Office is a pretty good sign that they're at least really considering this, which to me is promising.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that they're even thinking about it and, you know, you mentioned earlier the uh, the boat and dinghy uh, situation. Maybe this is something that uh, it'll be part of future cars. Like you, you just have a built in secondary form of transportation uh you know in the in the bottom part of your trunk or something uh i feel like that would be kind of a cool you know like why well, have a spare tire when you can just you know <laughs> have a like a another form of transportation at your uh, fingertips and yeah. you know theoretically you could probably almost put two people on something like that i don't know
0: Yeah, and I think when you consider that a lot of cities are also starting to close off big portions of the city to car traffic, like we see many, you know, like Paris is considering closing off a huge portion of uh, the center of the city to cars and many other cities have have either done this or contemplating their own uh, street closures, then this idea gets even more validity because, you know, you drive as close as you can to the city and then maybe there's these big parking lots just outside of the city or like just outside of a ring road and then you get to take your scooter the rest of the way in. And to me, that's the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, like for very popular cars, let's say um, like the Tesla Model 3, there's a, in the Model Y as well, there's like a, a, an area below the trunk. I wonder if, you know, something like this or, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of really compact bikes. I wonder if anything would actually fit down there or if it would make sense for a third party to build around Uh, that, you know, those, those dimensions just so you could have a bike at, at, in the back of your car at all times. I mean, um, there's a, another thing for a Tesla that it's called like a test mat where it turns your Tesla into like a a sleeping quarters where it's a mattress and it's got like shades for all the windows and pillows Um, and it fits below there. So you can always have that. i wonder if, you know, that would make sense for a product. Um, Maybe you should go hunting for a small bike and you know, see if we can make something like that. that might be worth our worth a little bit of time.
0: Imagine if Tesla did it, though, like if they made their own. Wow. That would be like game over.
1: Yeah. And there was an interview this week um, where Tesla's head of design, Franz von Holzhausen, um, said that he's a big biker. And I was like, well, if you're a big biker and you're the head designer at Tesla, what what's taking so long? You know, <laughs> like, come on, get it together. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, moving on, I've ridden every electric motorcycle out there. Here's what I discovered. So
0: uh, I'm pretty proud of this, but like, just to head off the the most pedantic of our viewers, there are a few electric motorcycles I haven't gotten to. There are a couple like um, outside of the US that aren't here yet, like the Stark Farge, the TS Bravo, and then there are a couple uh, US uh, models that are like super boutique or are in questionable production. Like Tarform has made a few and Lightning is like, no one's really sure how many they've made. I've never seen one in the wild, but for the most part, any electric motorcycle you can buy in the U S at this point I've written. And then a few that you can't yet, yeah, like the Del Mar. And I won't go through all these because it's a decently long list at this point, but if you are interested in any of these models, I recommend checking out this post. But I think the takeaway message here though, is just that at this point we've reached so many different models that fit so many different types of use cases that it's almost like, you know, at this point, it's worth reconsidering a a motorcycle license for so many people that are looking for something that's like a a commuter level bike or even something slightly more powerful, but haven't really considered themselves like a, you know, a quote unquote motorcycle person before, because, you know, I feel like there used to be this, you know, different type of of view of motorcycles and, and motorcyclists of this, you know. Biker culture and that sort of thing, but with the advent of so many new electric models, that their purpose isn't so much like you know riding to a, a biker bar. It's more about the utility, about the practicality and the efficiency. That it's just opening up this this whole world of of motorcycling to so many more people that didn't see themselves as a a motorcycle rider before and that includes everything from like far out there uh cake models that combine like really interesting designs with utility um i think i included a picture that uh seth got of me actually wrecking one of those where's my image
1: credit dude uh i think it's in the
0: (laughs) the fine print i'll have to make sure i'll I'll make it a little (laughs) bigger next time but (laughs) so there's there's just so many things out there and then you get to the higher end you know you got like these um Zeros, uh, Harley-Davidson LiveWires. I guess it's just LiveWire now. Energicas that are, you know, uh, full racing sport bikes and just everything in between, you know, electric scooters, Vespa-style scooters. And there's just, there's so many options out there, even in the U.S. market, which is like the smallest motorcycle market and the last to electrify, that at this point, it's like you've got your, you know, pick of the litter. So to me, this is just a really exciting time for anyone who's ever considered you know a little bit more power than electric bicycle and is like motorcycle curious
1: so i am motorcycle curious i would say um but the problem is i don't want to have to take my test on something with a clutch and a kickstart and so am i still not like when i can take my test on a, a zero uh fx then i'm ready so what is uh what are, what are my chances here so
0: that's I think, one of the biggest holdups at this point. You, you've hit the nail on the head there that I, I'm not personally familiar with anywhere where you can take the test on electric. I'm sure there are some places if you know you don't need to do a whole class um, if there are states where you can just roll up and do the test. But most states have some sort of class that's a requirement as part of the licensing procedure. It's usually like you know uh, two evenings in a classroom and then a weekend in a parking lot situation. And I don't know of any of them that offer electric as an option, unfortunately. So that would be a a really awesome thing. And if anyone knows, certainly let me know, drop in the comments or something, because I would love to find out about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I almost feel like the ease of riding an electric motorcycle kind of warrants a separate license, maybe like, uh, you know, an electric bike license wouldn't require somebody to know. You know, how to use a clutch, how to kickstart, how to do all the silly things that internal combustion requires.
0: Yeah, um, there's something.
1: I... Sorry, go. Yeah, go. No, I was just going to say it's uh, like a different class almost.
0: Yeah, there's something kind of like that here in Israel. So I've uh, gone through the class and motorcycle licensing in two countries now in the US and in Israel. In the US, I just had to do the normal MSF class, uh, I did it on a was at a harley dealership so i did it on a harley 500 the street 500 which is like the babiest harley of them all um but in israel they've got different licenses and one of them is a combined uh, scooter or sort of automatic motorcycle license and it's a shorter course i think you can do it in actually one um course or like one session that's like an hour or something and then an abbreviated test so in that case, you know, if you're not interested in learning to shift and how to use the clutch and everything, you can actually do it on a scooter, but it's still not electric. So it's it's part of the way there. And it's like, a, you know, a lower level license if you're just not interested in in the stuff that goes along with riding a bigger, more powerful gas motorcycle. But it's it's not to the point where they have electric scooters or motorcycles there. But I can see it coming, especially here where, you know, there's a lot of options for electric motorcycles and scooters already. But even in like a fairly... Progressive electric vehicle environment. I still haven't seen uh, an EV motorcycle test option.
1: Well, so how about that scooter license? Is there a separate scooter license that could kind of be used uh, to get an electric motorcycle license?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So like, that's what I'm trying to convince my wife to do. She did like one class on a scooter and Mm -hmm. she's like trying to find time to go back. But basically it means that she doesn't have to learn to shift or anything. She did the class she wanted to now she's completed. She can go and do the test on a scooter and she can get a motorcycle license that in Israel allows you to ride up to, I think it's 125 CC equivalent, which includes a number of electric motorcycles. So by doing the scooter It's a gas scooter, unfortunately, but she could do the test on a gas scooter and then ride some like middleweight electric motorcycles legally. So that's sort Mm. of a way to do it. But you still have to start on a gas something.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we'll get there because there's more really uh, compelling vehicles coming. And it's kind of it's a shame to see that like, you know, uh, uh, like Onyx, for instance, they have to throw pedals on their thing to make them legal anywhere. Um, it's, it's just kind of silly to see, uh, that happening and probably isn't the safest and best way to go about getting, uh, more powerful, uh, mopeds into people's hands.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. Uh, moving away from the two wheels, uh, we have club cars, fancy new electric golf cart looks like a living room on wheels.
0: (laughs) So this is, uh, Kind of a funny one. I hope that you're actually watching the video here because it's worth seeing, but we'll do our best to describe it. So this is the Club Car Crew. You might know Club Car from golf carts, but they also started producing street legal golf carts, which are actually known as low speed vehicles or LSVs. And that's what this is, is it's not really a golf cart anymore, even though it kind of looks and feels like one. But in in addition to two front seats that swivel around to face backwards when you're not driving, it's got sort of an L-shaped... Bench couch thing in the back and a table like you'd find in an RV or something like that. And it creates this almost like living room or like outdoor patio set environment where you can have like five or six people sitting there around a table, all, you know, having a meal, playing cards, that sort of thing. But it's within the cabin of a fully street legal four wheeled electric vehicle. Now it is an LSV, meaning it only goes 25 miles an hour. So it's not something, you know, you take on a highway, but for LSV appropriate communities, you know, somewhere where the streets only go up to 35 miles an hour, certainly lots of Island communities, um, old, you know, not old elderly communities. Um, there's a few cities, even I think Peachtree, Georgia, um, is like a, you know, super golf cart friendly city where there are more golf carts than cars that, that kind of place where these would actually be
1: the the villages in Florida.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The villages, so it's, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, like egregiously expensive. I think it's, um, was it $30,000 or something like that? Um, see if I can find out oh, 27,000 is what it starts Actually,
1: at. Actually, you know, like when you think about the price of a gem, like that's not crazy. Yeah,
0: but you the know? price of a gem is kind of crazy.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, we'll, yeah. we'll wait for the uh, Alibaba uh, of the week uh, version of this and we'll see what, what kind of price we can find on it.
0: Yeah, it is cool that it's like at least available, right? Like, I mean, it's fun to look at like the silly Alibaba cars, but like, A, they're not, you can't really like buy them and get them here easily and B, they're not legal. So if you really did want a just small street legal, low speed electric car that has all the comfort of your living room, like you can actually go out and get it, which is kind of neat. It'll cost you an arm and a leg, but it does exist, which is a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and when you think about like your kind of, it's like a moving, you know, I don't want to say an RV because it's not an RV, but it's like a, a moving, uh, dining room area, uh, or, you know, patio area, I guess, outdoor. I, I, I can see this actually taking off. I, I think a lot of people would like this, um, especially in the, like you said, the beach communities, uh, island communities makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And what the, uh, designers described it as they said, the, um, sort of uh idea behind it was that they saw lots of people in, in golf carts would sort of like pull up two golf carts next to each other facing opposite directions so they could like hang out and have a conversation and the idea was that like why don't you just make it so the vehicle itself is more like park and hang out friendly and, and that was sort of the idea here the inspiration was that it wasn't just a vehicle to get somewhere it's like once you get somewhere you can hang out with people in the comfort of like a nice padded you know bench seat lazy boy style chair, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And like if you had two of these, you could have a full like, you know, circular like uh like area, I guess.
0: It'd be like so, a 1970s conversation pit in your living room.
1: Exactly. That's exactly where, where my mind was going. <laughs> so uh that's cool. Uh if they want to send me one uh or or you one in uh Florida uh we're going to get two
0: of them so we can make the conversation pit.
1: Exactly. It would only take us like uh, three days to drive to, you know, like the two hours of normal driving. Uh, three days you know. to meet in the middle. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. Uh, moving on here. Um, we've got uh, two more posts. So if you have anything uh, you want to put in the uh, comments for us to address, go ahead. I see a lot of LinkedIn conversation, but um, not so many questions. So hit those now if you're going to do that. California-based startup unveils 58-mile-per-hour electric jet ski on hydrofoils.
0: This is an exciting one because there just aren't that many electric jet skis out there. I know Fred uh, did a test ride on a Tyga electric jet ski, but other than that, there aren't very many options. And so not only is the uh, Velo hyperfoil an electric jet ski, but it also has hydrofoils, which are basically like airplane wings underwater. So once you get going fast enough, usually it's around like ten miles an hour or so, the entire craft just lifts out of the water, and you're just sort of floating above the water on these like you know aquatic wings basically. So it extends the efficiency something like five to ten times compared to a gas jet ski, wow. and that means you can have uh, fewer batteries, which are both heavy and expensive and stay out much longer. Since you know, if, if you're trying to push all that water out of the way with the normal V-hole, you're going to be much less efficient. So this is a really cool design. But we, we should point out that this is still um, a prototype design. These aren't even actual pictures, the renderings, though they tell us that in the next uh, two to three months, they expect to have a, a functioning prototype that they want to start testing on. So that should be exciting. But for now, we're, we're still looking at renderings of this design though they seem pretty uh, gung-ho about their ability to produce this thing. So it would be fascinating to see. And when you're talking about you know, 58 miles an hour, I mean, this is a fast, high-performance type of uh, you know, personal electric watercraft. This isn't just a you know, float around the lake kind of thing. So we're talking about some, some serious performance. Now, it's, it's going to be also seriously expensive. I think the price they floated was almost $60,000. Yeah. So don't expect that this is going to be something that you can just, you know, like buy on a whim, which, you know, I think most of these fancy electric versions, you know, even like the first Tesla Roadster, right? Like these things start out as expensive toys for the rich and then they work their way down to normal folks. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's something this new and exotic. I don't know if $60,000 is, you know, fair, but it's certainly you expect it to be expensive. But I am very impressed by the idea here. And if they can actually get something working in the water in the next three months, like they say, then that'll be also be an impressive timeline. So definitely looking forward to that.
1: You know, I could actually see this like, uh, you know, like Wall Street bankers who live in New Jersey. They want to take this across the Hudson every once in a while. I feel like that would be a easy $60,000 to justify because, you know, you, you would turn your commute from, you know, an hour to like a matter of minutes. Um, wow,
0: I hadn't even thought of commuting on this. You're like on a whole nother level.
1: Well, you know, I, I'm on the Hudson River. So like the whole half of my, you know, radius of whatever is across the river. So I'm always thinking with the water, you know. Um, so But hint,
0: hint you know, to you, the company.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, So, you know, you got water in a lot of places, San Francisco, Miami. Um, You know, Miami do, might have like a lot of uh, wealthy folks who want to go 60 miles per hour across the the, the base t- to get to their uh, their next uh, house or whatever so um yeah I can see a use for this I think uh, I think there's probably a pretty like pretty big market if this I mean if they're still in the renderings stage I feel like we're not we're not gonna get one like this year or next year um, so
0: we'll see they claim yeah. it they yeah. said February so we'll see
1: so they don't have like even a prototype, like a physical prototype, and they won't?
0: They don't have one to show. They might have, they said they want to start testing uh, Mm -hmm. around February. So um, if they're potentially going to invite journalists to test in February, it could be they've already got something that they're, you know, still working out the kinks on now. But uh, uh, all we're seeing so far are renderings.
1: And where are they based?
0: Uh, San Francisco, I think.
1: All right, yeah, California-based startup Boundary Layer Technologies. All right, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Sounds uh, sounds like fun, even if it's a little pricey. Although fifty-eight miles per hour, I feel like you know you hit something then, and it's it's no longer like silly splash into the water. It's more like uh, you know Coast Guard rescue kind of situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, water is pretty hard at that speed.
1: Right. All right, I bought this five-seater electric boat on Alibaba for a thousand bucks, basically. Am I crazy? Of course not.
0: (laughs) I'm super excited for this, folks. So this is my second big Alibaba purchase. Uh, The first was an electric mini truck, which you guys might have seen before. It's kind of gone around the internet a couple times. And based on the fact that that actually went pretty well, I decided to try my luck with this five-seater electric boat. It's a 14-footer. It's got a 500 watt motor, though that's a continuous wattage. So we're probably talking like, you know, a thousand watts peak, which not super powerful, but they claim is enough for five knots. Uh, We'll determine that. And it's basically like a little, you know, probably like lake style boat. I don't think you'd want to take this out into like, you know, a bay or a gulf with any serious current. You're not crossing
1: the Pacific in this thing?
0: Oh gosh. (laughs) I don't even know if you're crossing like a a large river. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But this thing, like, you know, as a sort of slow and steady pleasure boat seems like it's going to be pretty nice. It's a five seater. It's got, um, you know, like a normal throttle it's got a steering wheel. It's not like, you know, a little tiller on the back of a rowboat kind of thing. It's like an actual boat. It's got a canopy. Um, I want to add solar to it. So I asked the um, factory about how much weight it can support on the canopy. They weren't sure. They said probably not more than 50 kilos or about 110 pounds, but it was kind of funny that they don't know. Um, but that, that's sort of the the joy of um, buying from Alibaba is that it's a bit of a, an unknown adventure that you set out on and things like that, where you're just like, oh, okay, just, you know, don't put anything too heavy on it. It'll probably be fine.
1: Yeah, it's. I guess it's a question of like, are those real metal uh, supports, or is it just plastic painted with shiny, or aluminum foil? Yeah, <laughs> or aluminum <living laughs> foil. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks like it, w- it could support at least a couple of solar panels. And and how many uh, watts are you going to put up there?
0: So I'm going to try and get if it'll fit. There's a 550 watt Renogy panel that looks pretty Ooh, good.
1: That's big. Yeah.
0: So I think, you know, if I put like a 550 watt panel and get like, you know, 350 watts or so, maybe 400 in really strong sun, then that would be, you know, a a serious amount of input. If it's pulling 500 watts, then, you know, you're getting almost as much input as you are drain.
1: You know, I actually know a a company that kind of pulls uh, extra panels from uh, solar installs. Like if, you know, you get a pallet, and there's a couple left. They they pull those, I'll, and they're based in Miami. So I should definitely get that information to you because uh, that might be a good way to get a, a you know a big rooftop solar panel uh, pretty inexpensively and easily.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. And uh, I mean, there's so many cool like customizations like that. I'm already planning. So for example, the like when I put a solar panel on top, I want to make a rack for it that lifts it up a few inches above the canopy. And then I can slide uh, life jackets under, like sort of between the canopy and the solar panel for storage, because the other thing is there's zero storage on the boat, which is a little bit frustrating. There's not even like a small hatch for putting like keys or what, anything.
1: What's like below the steering wheel and on the other side there?
0: It's just like cavity. Like uh, I think, you know, they run the wires in there, that sort of thing. They're a little like um, sort of like scupper holes there. Well, but it's I, for I, I think you need
1: to get out of the jigsaw.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking because you can buy little like hatches, yeah. So, you know, I might be able to to you know open that up and put in a little like hatch door to to get some storage in there. But uh, uh, I'll have to play. Like, there's so many unknowns here, which is like kind of scary, but also part of the fun. It's like right. you get it and then you learn what did I just buy.
1: I know, and you know, there's so many like variations. Like in the lead image, you can see like the the chairs are two different <laughs> types of yellow, and uh, I guess yellow is kind of the front chair uh, thing. And then the back is kind of painted whatever color is the rest of the thing. Um, So let's talk about the batteries a little bit. Uh, You're going with uh, uh, a lifepo 4 12 volt 200 amp hour. Uh,
0: Yes. So I'm going to run two of these to get 24 volts.
1: Okay. And let's see, how many kilowatt hours is that? Let's do some math here.
0: So it's gonna be just over five because they're actually twelve point eight volts. So okay. that turns into um so it's twenty five hundred a little over twenty five hundred per battery. Right. And then it's uh five point one two kilowatt hours, I believe.
1: Okay. And they told uh, me
0: that uh no, that twelve quite a bit. Yeah, right. Like it, it's more than it needs. They told me that um twenty-four volt hundred amp hour would be appropriate for this boat. But I was like, well, if I'm already putting batteries in, like, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm like, eh, it's going to be a little like, uh, well, you got the solar. Line.
1: You got the solar. Well, it's about. cloudy.
0: Like, I, <laughs> if I'm out on a boat, I want to know I can get home. It's not like a right. car where it's like, all right, you park it, you call a taxi. Like, you,
1: you get a paddle. You put a paddle. <laughs> so I'm
0: going to have a paddle on there, but I never want to have to use it. Right. We call it an uh, emergency paddle for a reason.
1: Right. Um. And how much do these batteries weigh? Like, is that, is that going to eliminate the uh, ability to carry five people or?
0: So they're pretty heavy. I think each battery is about 45 pounds. So we're talking almost a hundred, but I I think that the um, 200 amp hours of lithium iron phosphate will be about the weight of a hundred amp hours of lead acid and it's designed for lead acid. So okay. um, I think it'll actually be about the amount of uh, battery weight that it's spec'd for.
1: Okay. Well, but, that's great.
0: Uh, you do bring up an interesting point, though, and I imagine there's going to be a, a pretty significant performance difference between when you have one person in the boat, when you have five people.
1: Right. Yeah, five people in that thing. Uh, yeah, OK. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't know if I would be a number five in that one.
0: Yeah, I think oh. I'm going to consider it like a four seater, because also if you see that middle seat in the back, that's like the hump seat and like an old Buick kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah, it looks a little uh, car seedy. Uh, but overall looks like a super fun project. Um, a little bit jealous, like love to uh, be part of something like this. It looks like hey, next so time you're
0: fun. in Florida, let's go out for a, yeah. a
1: boating excursion. Yeah. All you have to do is come up the coast a little bit. Uh, again, it'll take <laughs> three days, but if the yeah, sun's couple... out maybe two days.
0: Oh man. Yeah. I, so I really want to put it in a river and then take it out into maybe the Bay, but I'm not going out into the Gulf of Mexico. That's <laughs> But I, so I chose yellow just in case something bad happens. So right. I am easily I spotted. Say, yes. But I don't want to have to use that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm, maybe paint the top fluorescent or something. <laughs> Big X. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just right always, here. always in need of help <laughs> just in case. Well, uh, I can't wait to see the update on this. It looks like so much fun. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll hear about those soon. Uh, Moving on. So we got a lot of uh, LinkedIn uh, conversation in our feed this time, which is cool, but uh, not really a lot of questions, more like people saying hi to everybody else. So it's (laughs) going to, yeah, it's fun. Um, I'm going to try to find some comments that are uh, good. Let's see. Guys, I'm in California. California has rebates uh, starting this year. I think that's referring to the um, e-bikes. So we'll have to look into that, and I, I can't believe the uh, infrastructure act, the U.S. infrastructure act, didn't throw, you know, throw a billion at it, throw a billion dollars at <laughs> e-bikes. What's the big deal? Just a billion. Uh, yeah, I mean that would probably just blow up the e-bike industry. Like it would turn it into something totally different. Um, all right, Carl in San Diego says 750 for a regular e-bike, and up to 1500 for Uh, Cargo or adaptive e-bike people whose income is under 225 FPL or who live in disadvantaged communities qualify for additional incentives. So I think that's the California one.
0: Interesting. We'll have to look look into that
1: for sure. All right. Somebody wants an e-bike who doesn't. Everybody wants an e-bike. Nice color. Carl's back saying at least a few of these car companies actually recognize that EVs are unsustainable and they know that they need to get their bike business going. Okay. So that's a good angle that we didn't really talk about. Um, Looking at Ford's weird front derailleur patent. Well wow. okay.
0: I'll have to look into that one too. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. All right. Uh, Eric Black. Hi, Mike and Seth. Canadian News. Stromer uh, sent OTA updates to reduce Stromer Class 3 e-bikes top assist speed from 45 kilometers per hour to 32 kilometers per hour. They sent out the -the over-the-air update this past Wednesday, the 28th. That's something interesting we'll have to look into because that would be a super dick move to uh, (laughs) just, hey, here's an update. Oh, now your bike's way slower. So, Uh,
0: Speaking of that, you know who else did something similar? No. But it was by accident. A couple days ago, Super 73 accidentally pushed an update that removed throttle operation for everyone outside of the U.S. around the world. Yeah, Jeez. like the click of a button, you had like tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Super 73s that the throttles just stopped. Working. Are they,
1: are they going to fix it? Or? Yeah,
0: they, were, they might have already fixed it. I mean, it was like two days ago, they were like, immediately they put out, you know, an update on Instagram and their socials saying like, we're working on it. Very sorry. That wasn't what was supposed to happen.
1: Jeez. But I mean, yeah. I know a lot of places, Europe in particular, you're not supposed to have throttles. Uh, so was that kind of the idea?
0: So I think that they w- were probably responding to like one country somewhere that uh, you know, was getting stricter or something, and th- that's exactly true. That most of these countries are not supposed to have throttles. A lot of them do, or they get a throttle saying it's for off-road use only, and they install it themselves. But they uh, the company accidentally killed it, like for everyone globally outside of the U.S.
1: Yeah, that's you don't you don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, Carl in San Diego is uh, or uh, We're still talking about the uh, car companies doing uh, bikes, uh, or they couldn't get to where they wanted to go on a pedal bike, but the e-bike extends the range to allow them to get to their transportation destinations. I think that's the uh, kind of growing or going concern there. Um, let me see. The Big Dog, a.k.a. the Roman Reigns bike. Uh, what does that mean? Do you know what that means? No, not
0: quite following. I don't okay.
1: know. All right. Uh, we have a doctor, uh, at least one plays one on LinkedIn, saying uh, <laughs> it, bikes are very useful in the health sector and important to cardio exercise. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll believe that guy's a doctor. Um, can you use a Tesla coil on here for protection in bad neighborhoods? Hmm. So I, I was thinking like, you know, uh, the those cars that like roll coal like if you could have like a big tesla (laughs) coil on the back of your tesla to just like zap the guy who's rolling coal next to you and just take out their whole like you know the the whole electrical system in their vehicle you know it's like Um, a
0: personal emp
1: (laughs) yeah kind of and uh you know if they're gonna roll coal on you gonna zap them (laughs) turn turn their uh, electronics into exactly uh, all right, Carl San Diego, uh, Universal Footpeg add ons Sound like a good side gig opportunity for someone? Yeah, man. Like, uh, there's a lot of product o- uh, opportunities. Uh, we're seeing them all the time, and we're actually pretty tempted to get into some of them. Secret for now. All right, uh, Nico D, the Bowhead Trike is interesting. So this is a tadpole tilting system. I don't know what that is. I, yeah, I know they have are. those tilting bikes that, yeah, I don't know.
0: Have to look that one up.
1: All right, uh, is that fake mid drive a placeholder for an actual mid drive motor? Maybe that was the uh, the rationale there. There was they were going to make a mid drive, and they yeah, probably not. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I know they put the controller there, so it's it's not unused. I just think that you know if they had to have a little box to access the controller, they might as well make it look kind of neat, like a mid drive.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, somebody, Carl's not in. Uh, favor of our little dinghy bike uh, idea. Finding ways to pair e bikes with cars is regressive. Carl, you're not entirely wrong. I, I kind of agree with that. That's just adding a little bit of complexity, but as an option, it may be for, for edge cases. I think it's still yeah. cool to think about.
0: Yeah, it depends on your perspective. Yeah.
1: And uh, the first zeros were closer to an e bike than a hundred uh, or thousand cc motorcycle. I feel like that might have been their sweet spot because to get high power still short range motorcycle the price is too high.
0: Yeah, but, I would say I mean at this point they're so far into the high power stuff that I don't think they'll ever go back to that.
1: And and Carl's kind of word here is I would I was sad to see Bramo and their 6-speed transmission go away. There could be a place for an underpowered, under-torque motor that gave higher range via gearing. Bramo tried too hard for performance. All right, back with uh, LSV, known in California as Neighborhood Electric Vehicles. I think a lot of the U.S. is known as Neighborhood Electric Vehicles.
0: You know, NEVs, so the the federal law lists uh, a classification for LSVs. So that's sort of the official designation. And NEVs is like a colloquial type of vehicle. But uh, in the federal law, it doesn't actually list NEVs because you could also have gas-powered vehicles that qualify under that law. It's just at this point, they're like 99% electric. So they're technically two different things, but they're usually interchangeable
1: now. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're talking about the little golf cart, uh, RV thing villages in Florida. Yes. Is it flammable? All the, all the good questions. Perfect for a parade float vehicle. Uh, I guess that also applies to your boat for a boat, boat parade. Um, soon people will be living in those, uh, I think it was the club car, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing if that's the case. I hope I hope people aren't going to be living in this, and you know, it's like van life, but like very not slow as good. van life, <laughs> kind of like, yeah. All right, uh, Nico D, above 400 watts, you should need a license for two wheel bike, just like for tradi- traditional fuel engines. Seems a little arbitrary. 400 watts is actually a lot of power, <laughs> so maybe under that, I don't know, two two kilowatts. Uh, what kind of sound system does that thing have? Uh, I think it's, you know, you bring a boom box, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess it depends on what we're talking about at this point. Um, all right. So does it do hills well? I, I'm imagining we're talking about the uh, the condo on wheels. Is that?
0: I think so, yeah. I, I can't imagine it's got the best hill climbing.
1: No. If, if you need hill climbs, it's probably not the vehicle for you. Um, All right. So another Nico D says above 11 kilowatts, you should need a heavy motorcycle license.
0: It's right in the whole rule book here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oh yeah. So hydrofoils, I'm always intrigued about how much more energy efficient they are. And we've, we've also seen um, electric pedal assist hydrofoils. So, you know, in terms of the amount of power you need to get those things going, you can create that power with your legs if you're super coordinated and you know, probably pretty have a pretty high like strength to weight ratio. So, um, moving on, the jet ski hydrofoils for James Bond only. I think that's maybe true for the first round, and then that would be a good, uh, Bond vehicle. Uh, good, good advertising. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, any other good ones? Uh, back to Stromer sends out OTA update. Okay, we saw that one. There may be a fix by killing any, the e-sim on any bikes that were off and remain off. Um, yeah, that's a shame that you have to do that. And I think we're pretty much done with. Uh, we have Stephen Frockjar, Twinkie from Germany is a good bike car mix. We'll have to look into that. And that's pretty much it.
0: All right, so a round of applause to Seth for sifting through that massive amount of comments. I think that might be more than we've gotten before on any yeah, other video. So new, new record. Props for that. And uh, thank you, everyone else, for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check back two weeks from today. We'll be back with the latest episode of the Wheelie Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.